Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Grace. Today is Wednesday, November 1st Street, 2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. A perfect day lies ahead in Riverside, with temperatures expected to reach a high of 82.8 degrees, dropping to a cool 59.7 as the sun sets. Looking ahead, we've got a packed schedule of significant stories. We'll delve into the impending $250 million civil fraud trial facing the Trump family, analyzing the potential impact on their reputation and future business ventures. We're also following a fascinating discussion at the Supreme Court, grappling with the complex intersection of First Amendment rights and government officials blocking users on social media. Stay tuned for these stories and more right here on Alex's News. We start with the top story of the day. The Trump family, well known for their real estate empire and political involvement, is currently embroiled in a $250 million civil fraud trial. To discuss this further, I am joined by our reporter Ethan. Ethan, what can you tell us about the accusations? Thank you, Grace. The trial is being led by New York State Attorney General Letitia James, who alleges that the Trump family and the Trump organization inflated their financial statements. This is said to have been done to secure loans and insurance policies on favorable terms. Prominent members of the Trump family including Donald Trump Jr., Eric Trump, and Ivanka Trump are all scheduled to testify at the trial. So what effect did these alleged inflated statements have? According to Attorney General Letitia James, the Trump family was allegedly able to secure better loan rates and lower insurance premiums by inflating the net worth of Donald Trump. As a result, Members of the Trump family are expected to be examined about their involvement and knowledge of this alleged fraudulent activity during the trial. Let's get into specifics, Ethan. What will be the focal points of testimonies from the Trump children? Well, Grace, Donald Trump Jr. is expected to be questioned about the Trump organization's financial statements. Meanwhile, Eric Trump's role in property valuations, including the Seven Springs property in New York, will be examined. However, While Ivanka Trump was initially named in the lawsuit, she was dropped as a defendant due to the statute of limitations. Nevertheless, she is still slated to testify as the final witness for the state's case. How significant is this trial for the Trump family? Grace, this trial could carry significant implications. It could affect their reputation, their financial future, and their business dynamics. Donald Trump's attorneys, however, deny any wrongdoing. They argue that any increases in valuations were a result of his business acumen. Let's talk about the timing. This trial is following the Trump presidency and the legal challenges that came after. How might that impact the trial? Indeed, Grace, this trial comes in the aftermath of a turmoil-filled presidency and subsequent legal challenges that have reshaped not only the Trump family's wealth but also their business operations. Notably, Ivanka has largely withdrawn from the public eye, while Eric remains active in the family business, and Donald Jr. has grown increasingly interested in politics. Are there any other aspects of this trial that would be of interest to our viewers? Yes, the trial also raises questions about Ivanka Trump's role in the redevelopment of a property in Washington, D.C., and how Donald Trump's financial holdings have shifted since leaving office. And not to forget, 
The trial seeks to bar Trump and his sons from serving as officers or directors of any New York corporation and demands $250 million in damages. Certainly a lot to unpackage there. Thank you for providing such a detailed overview, Ethan. My pleasure, Grace. This is indeed a high-profile case and will be closely watched by many. We will keep monitoring the proceedings and bring you the updates. Thank you, Ethan. We will look forward to your future reports. That's the story from the Trump trial for now. Stay tuned for our subsequent segments. We're moving on to our second story of today, about the Supreme Court grappling with an issue regarding First Amendment rights. This matter raises key questions about whether or not government officials have the right to block critics from their personal social media pages. Now, let's bring in our reporter, Chloe, for more context. Chloe, can you give us a rundown of what's going on? Absolutely, Grace. This situation centers around the intersection of social media, free speech, and the division between personal and official government accounts. The Supreme Court recently heard a case involving two school board members from Poway, California, who blocked two outspoken parents from their social media pages. These parents argued that this action violated their First Amendment rights, and the court recognized the significance of this case because it has broad implications for the ways public officials at all levels use social media to communicate. Can you clarify, Chloe, what exactly is at stake here? Certainly, Grace. The root of the issue lies in the ambiguity around what differentiates a public official's personal and official accounts. Could a series of posts be enough to transform a private account into state action, and thus restrict an official's ability to block followers with differing viewpoints? That's the crux of what the justices were wrestling with. They seem concerned about whether painting with broad strokes and applying a blanket policy could infringe on the public official's freedom of speech. That seems like a delicate balance to strike, Chloe. Where does this issue fit into the big picture? This particular case is happening amidst a slew of upcoming cases regarding social media that the Supreme Court will be adjudicating. These range from disputes over how social media companies showcase user-created content to limitations on the White House's interactions with social media platforms concerning COVID-related misinformation. The Department of Justice and civil liberties organizations alike are paying close attention to these, given their potential implications for the line where social media and the First Amendment intersect. And there's another case as well that is related to this, correct? Yes, absolutely, Grace. A similar case out of Michigan also involves a public official who used personal social media in a way that's being scrutinized. The decision in these cases combined will likely set a benchmark for how education leaders and other officials across the country use personal social media. The verdicts are expected to chart the course for future cases involving similar issues. So, it would appear these kinds of cases are becoming more prevalent with the rise of social media. Precisely, Grace. The digital age and the increasing use of social media by public officials are bringing up crucial considerations. These cases underscore the complexities often overlooked when intertwining public discourse, personal freedoms, and government entities. They show the intricate challenges with navigating First Amendment rights in this era. In many ways, these cases will shape how we perceive the distinction between personal and official social media accounts and could redefine individuals' freedom of speech rights, especially when they contradict the views of a public official. That will indeed be a significant ruling. Thank you, Chloe, for that comprehensive report. You're welcome, Grace. It's my pleasure to shed some light on these critical matters. Here are some other headlines. 
Tensions in the Middle East escalate as Israel intensifies its military operations. Communication lines in the Gaza Strip have been disrupted, and claims suggest that Yemen's Houthi rebels are launching attacks on Israel, drawing Iran deeper into the conflict. It remains unclear if Israel has initiated ground invasion into Gaza, despite their broader intentions being apparent. Stateside, the White House has promised to devise a strategy to combat Islamophobia, yet skepticism is rife within the American Muslim community about its potential and efficacy. This comes amid widespread disinformation about the Israel-Hamas conflict spreading on social media platforms. In the world of finance, WeWork shares have suffered due to rumors of impending bankruptcy. Meanwhile, Chinese real estate giant Evergrande plans to offer its offshore creditors a 30% equity stake in its subsidiaries. Over in Japan, the Bank of Japan steps into action to stabilize the market as yields on Japanese government bonds rise. Meanwhile, there was an unexpected surge in UK house prices in October, an increase reported by Nationwide. Lastly, North Korea makes the decision to close several of its embassies globally. Meanwhile, as the Israeli offensive amplifies, the first batch of evacuees managed to depart from Gaza. Additionally, Israel has deployed missile boats in the Red Sea in light of attacks from Yemen's Houthi rebels. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4, GPT-3.5 Turbo, the 11 Labs Text-to-Speech API, and the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.